Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast, part of the Action Network and proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I am joined, as I am, for every episode where we are live on YouTube, live on AMP, so you can send your questions in. I loved the interaction we got from listeners uh, last week before the draft. People asking questions on YouTube, people asking questions on app. The chats are open. Send them in. I am joined by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better from Hawaii as we speak, Mr. Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Aloha, Chad. What a weekend for Philadelphia sports. We crushed the draft. James Harden won us a playoff game, and Boston has choked away everything. It's just, whew, if you hate Northeast sports, it's it's a good time. I hate New York number one. I definitely hate New York the most, New York teams, but Boston's right there. Boston, the Tom Brady curse is alive and well. No championships since 2018. Let's keep that streak going. Well, look, you're bringing up the Bruins and the and the Celtics. Obviously, the Celtics were recording this on Tuesday. Choked last night against the Joey, Joel Embiid-less Sixers. Um, watched the game. It was a great game. James Harden, 45, including the Daggers game-winning three at the end of the game over Horford. Um, and, of course, the Bruins. We're going to talk about the NHL with uh, Michael Leboff, our hockey betting analyst, host of Line Change, the Action Network hockey betting podcast. Dude, back-to-back choke jobs at TD Garden by Boston teams. So good. (laughs) You know what's interesting? Tell me if you feel this. Like, obviously, I'm from Chicago and grew up hating the Knicks, grew up, you know, moved to New York in the 90s when the Bulls-Knicks rivalry was at its zenith. And the problem is I find Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart to be so likable as players and I want to root for them. And so I don't hate the Knicks as much as I used to. It's because you're not on Twitter anymore. If you go on Twitter after a Knicks win, Chad, that will be cured so quick. These fans win one game. It's as if they won the championship. So Knicks fans, yes, they have likable players, but their fans are still the worst. They still think the world cares about the Knicks. I mean, one of the dumbest things I saw was, um, I mean, it might have been Stephen A. Smith, so I don't want to judge it too hard, but it was him saying that Jimmy Butler wasn't going to be able to show up because the game was in the garden, as if that matters, right? It like, blows my mind. They're like, well, it's the Mecca. It's like the Mecca of what? Good basketball in the 80s? So it always cracks my people like, well, I don't know if he can come to New York and play where the Knicks play. It's a different It's a different feeling in that stadium. It's clearly not. I think the Heat dominated that game one, so – Hopefully the Knicks get knocked out round two like they always do, Chad, and we can get back to, you know, good NBA talk instead of having to talk about the New York Knicks all the time. Well, look, the NBA right now is amazing, and we're going to be talking about NBA uh, in future podcasts, but we are going to talk, like I said, about NHL today. Also, we're going to have to review the draft because the Eagles dominated how he was playing chess when everybody else was playing checkers. How this guy ends up with this much talent in the draft, we're definitely going to talk about that with Brandon Anderson, who was all over the draft and since then has been all over what to do with Rookie of the Year for defense, Rookie of the Year for offense, some uh, season win totals bets, 
that he's already made based on the draft. Um, amazing draft. Like the draft has gotten so good. The fact that draft has drawn 6 million viewers uh, or more across the various networks, NBA games aren't drawn that in the playoffs when you have the biggest stars in the game playing. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, reminder, the Favorites podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, going to say it again. You guys have heard us talk about game time every episode the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. I love game time. Honestly, I use it all the time. And if you're looking to get out to a pro or college game this week, or even a concert, game time has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. I'm opening game time right now from my house here in Connecticut. Obviously, if I want to go to the Knicks game tonight, I can get into the Knicks. I can find tickets still available for the Knicks game that is happening mere hours from now. Or, by the way, I can go to the Yankees game. I can get 100-level seats for 20 bucks. That's how good this app is, no matter where you live. Download the GameTime app. Get out and have some fun this week. You deserve it. And you can redeem code FAVORITES for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, just download the app and enter code FAVORITES for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Simon. We were talking about the Bruins choke job in years past. One of the guests who has tickled you the most, who has made you the happiest, has been our hockey analyst, host of Line Change, the Action Network hockey betting podcast, Michael Leboff. Leboff, let's get into it, brother. Bruins' best season in hockey history, losing the first round. They don't just lose in the first round. They're up 3-1 in the series. They lose in overtime in game seven at home. Put this in context for us. First of all, it's really nice to see Simon in his beautiful, shiny glow from, from <laughs> Hawaii. Aloha, Simon. Yeah, this is, uh, this is what happens in hockey, though. The kind of uh, guffawing after after the series was, was kind of funny because if you looked at the pre-series odds, Florida was plus 250 to win. Uh, so if people were going to call this one of the biggest all-time upsets in sports history, uh, that would mean that we'd have to go back and talk about the Arizona Coyotes, you know, when they're plus 250 every night and they beat the Dallas Stars on a random Tuesday in February. I'd be like, what was that? The biggest upset in sports history too. The The Panthers are a good team. They won the President's Trophy last year. Yeah, it was it was a choke job more than I think a you know monumental upset and completely blew the the bracket wide open. But I th- now that kind of news has come out about the Bruins and the injuries that some of their players were dealing with, Patrice Bergeron had a herniated disc in his back. Uh, the goaltender Linus Allmark was battling through an injury too after his Vezina season. So that's what ends up happening in the playoffs. It's just like it's a war of attrition. And so I'm not like, you know, on the floor shocked, but it, it definitely was amusing for, for a lot of people. Uh, my wife is a Bruins fan, so it was not amusing for her. I had to watch that game with her and be a good husband and console her, which she does not do after the Islanders lose. I, in fact, she texted me after the Islanders got eliminated. I hate them. They ruin your life. I well, you know, if you're way too nice, though, they blew a 3-1 lead 
and they had a lead in game six with a minute to go. Yeah, it was a choke. It was a stunning comeback, but the upset pre-series upset was like like a random Tuesday night in, in April when the Anaheim Ducks beat the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> well, I love the shit on Boston. So which one is worst? The Flyers coming back down 3-0 or them choking this up, up 3-1, the best NHL team ever? I think it's this one. Yeah. You know, they did rewrite the record books during the regular right. season, you know, and that's now as you're if you're a Boston fan, like how do you look back on this this season with like a smile on your face? Like that's pretty tough. Uh, these all these players are going to go accept awards in a, in a few weeks. The goaltender, Linus Allmark, will win the Vezina. The coach, Jim Montgomery, is going to win the coach of the year. And, and like <laughs> it's very reminiscent to the to what the Tampa Bay Lightning did a couple seasons ago when they set the record and then got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets in round one. Same goalie, Bobrovsky, man. That's the yeah. key. That yeah, is the, the key. Your, your, your former, uh, former flyer. My guy. Yeah. yeah. I love uh, when Simon gets like starts pulling out his legit sports fandom when we're in non NFL times. Like when you're going deep on hockey, that's when I remember what a sports fan you are. Yeah. I'm a psycho, Chad. I'm a psycho. You're a total psycho. Michael Leboff, the host of Line Change, the hockey betting podcast for the Action Network. I know how much you hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. For those who don't know, John Tavares, who was a longtime Islander, Mike Leboff, who lives for the Islanders, has season tickets to the Islanders, really hates John Tavares for leaving the Islanders and going to his hometown team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now they have advanced for the first time since 2004. They're playing the Panthers. How do you feel about the Maple Leafs? How will they handle the Panthers? Oh, yeah, I, I hate them. Obviously, I hate John Tavares and basically everything that the Maple Leafs stand for. They, they, I think the way Simon described Knicks and Knicks fans kind of reminds me of Maple Leafs fans. It's like they've won one playoff series in 2004, despite having more resources, or as they say in Canada, resources at their disposal than any other team, because they are the, the richest team in, in the league. And one playoff series win. And yeah, it's a big deal. Like I know some good Maple Leafs fans and they, they deserve to be happy that they want to play off round for the first time in their you know adult life but it's being painted as this like monumental underdog story when they have uh one of the most talented teams in the in the league and they have more money than anybody they they're able to pay like coaches and analytics staff and all that stuff more than anybody else so they should be much better than than they are uh but they act like they're the scrappy underdog story but the opposite is obviously true and now uh yeah now they play Florida and the Islanders have alliances with with other fan bases Mo the montreal canadians and new york islanders of course is one of the most famous in, in all sports it's very much like fdr and churchill and joseph stalin i would say like you know we we'll get to our shit later um but but like right now we need to we need to all unite to, to defeat this this common enemy and so right now the florida panthers are are very much in that picture from from yalta with uh me i'll be fdr simon is of course, British, so he could be Winston Churchill and Florida Panthers Nation. Uh, they'll, they'll be Stalin here, uh, and we'll take care of what we need to take care of later down the line. But uh, right now, they need to defeat the bad guys. The beautiful seaside town of Yalta was the setting for the latest and greatest conference of the Big Three. The Kremlin guards marched past in true Red Army style after being inspected by Mr. Churchill and President Roosevelt. The enemy of your enemy is, is your, your friend. friend. Exactly. <laughs> now, Levoff, of all the teams remaining, do you have a team that you, it's your favorite bet or your favorite long shot left? I saw the Kraken are still 20 to 1 to win the cup, 
even though they just took down Colorado, is there any teams that stand out to you like that? If if you're gonna bet Seattle, I would just bet their goalie, uh, Philip Grubauer, to win the Conn Smythe. He's like eighty to one, hundred to one. You could probably find out there. Um, because if they if they win the Stanley Cup, it's because he's maintaining right. the the level. He he was terrible for them for the first two seasons, uh, and all of a sudden, as goalies do, just got really hot. And if he keeps that level up for the next you know few series and plays them to a very surprising Stanley Cup, I think you'd rather be holding uh, an eighty to one ticket on him or hundred to one ticket on him uh, rather than the twenty to one. Uh, I think that the Oilers just in their series in general against. Vegas will will have some value. Uh, Vegas looked good against Winnipeg, but I think that was more about Winnipeg just being an absolute mess. Their their coach Rick Bonus, former Islander coach from 1997. Fun fact about Bones: he coached the Winnipeg Jets in 1989 for one season, and then recoat and now has you know traveled, bounced around the league, and came full circle to them 33 years later. Uh, so you know, hats off to Rick. But he uh, he completely pasted his star players in, in his post-game presser, uh, which if it was like an NBA thing, I think people would still be talking about it, even though it was a week ago, because he just called them all out and said that they were disgusting, uh, which I thought was great. Uh, but Winnipeg was a mess in that series. So I think Vegas looked really good by default and Edmonton is just flying series favorite, despite not having home ice advantage, but they're, they're pretty cheap favorite on the road in these two games. And, and I like, I'll probably be betting them at both. And then going over to the East, the the Panthers, similarly, like if I would try to find the biggest number you can on, on Matthew Kachuk to win the Conn Smythe Award. If, and that's playoff MVP. Our producer, Matt Mitchell, wanted me to remind me that people listening might not know what the Conn Smythe Trophy means, but it means playoff MVP. Uh, I think other sports just call it playoff MVP, which tells you everything you need to know about hockey. But yeah, Matthew Kachuk, if they go far, it's going to be because of him. I think he's interesting. And then the Hurricanes and Devils, I would just pick like a long shot series bet, like a to lead the series in goal scores. Stefan Nason for Carolina is interesting. He's 28 to one because there's not going to, I don't think there's going to be much scoring in there. So it could take like three or four and you could walk out of there with a pretty ticket in your pocket. But yeah, that's that's where I'm sitting right now. And But mostly I'm just praying to God that the, the Panthers can beat the, the Maple Leafs. All right, Leboff. There's a lot of hockey left to be played. I know we got to watch the Maple Leafs, but we're all going to root against them with all of our hearts as part of the Yalta Conference Alliance. And, uh, you know, Godspeed to all of us. The Crimean Conference has resulted in many great decisions for the future. Godspeed. Hopefully uh, we can stop them because, yeah, I just won't be around anymore. Simon was talking about some random Pacific islands before we, we hopped on here. And I'll, I'll have to pick one out for myself to go live on. And I never watch another th- second of sports again. Simon, one of my favorite memories of Leboff on the podcast is him sitting alone by a creek with his dog, listening to something on his phone in a stranger's backyard because he was so upset about the Islanders. After the Islanders got eliminated this time around, I sat in my car put on some some Fleetwood Mac for a while. It was pouring rain. So sounds like signs of growth. You know, I'm not thinking yeah. about jumping into a freezing cold lake anymore. It's just sitting in my car. Never change, Mike Leboff. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the Favorites Podcast. Michael Leboff, the host of Line Change, the hockey betting podcast for the Action Network. We got to move on. We got to get to the NFL draft. We got to get to the NFL draft with Brandon Anderson who was all over it before the draft started and then has been all over it since the draft started with just phenomenal 
insights. Brandon, you had an article that came out in which you talked about rookie of the year, defense, offense, all that kind of stuff. I want you to break it down. But over the past couple of years, you've written a lot about these awards. Give me your favorite stat that indicates what could be a leading signal into how you should derive value from betting on offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, there's one go-to stat here. It's the draft slot. It's the guy that gets taken near the top of the draft. I know it's kind of boring, but here's the number. Last 19 seasons, 16 Offense Rookie of the Year were drafted in the first round. That's 84%, but it's better. 15 out of the 19 were top 12 picks. And that's just offense. Remember, some of those picks are defense too. So we're basically narrowing the field down to like five, six, seven dudes before the season ever started. It's, it's opportunity. We are saying, hey... You're going to a bad team that had a high draft pick and we're going to have opportunity for you to play right away. And by the way, we want you to look good. We're invested in you. So we're just going to keep feeding you carries and opportunities. And that's really how uh, rookie of the year usually goes. That held last year as well. We got a lot to break down here, fellas. Simon, we talked so much in the draft about Bryce Young, not Bryce Young going number one and how that would impact you. But then the draft, like in the last few hours, got even crazier than it had in the 48 hours before that. Describe the inbound you were getting and how you were managing the flow of information uh, to try to take advantage in the final hours before the draft. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit on the show that it's it was a tougher year. A lot of the teams up top were pretty tight-lipped. You know, like some of these organizations are really being smart about not really leaking stuff. Other organizations don't even care. I mean, I heard Atlanta was taking Robinson two weeks ago. So that was one of those bets where it's like, I kept telling people, take them top 10. People are like, do you know something? It was like, yeah, we know Atlanta has told everyone around they're going to take him at eight if he's there. So there's a couple of teams like that. They'll leak it right away. And there's other teams that are really tight lipped. So we did our show 11 a.m. Um, Eastern, which was 5 a.m. my time. And I was getting text chat, but nothing really concrete, right? Nothing that was really like telling me exactly what was going to happen. And then sure enough, at 1130, I got a text from a really smart scout that said, Bryce Young going one, Houston going QB at two. And I text him right back, wait, wait, what, what QB? No response. Not even five minutes later, I get another text from a guy. Hey, Houston's going quarterback at two. I, I don't think it's going to be your guy, though. My guy, as Chad knows, is Anthony Richardson. So my first thought was like, okay. It's not Anthony Richardson. That means there's two options. It's either Will Levis or CJ Stroud. Now, little did I know, half these teams didn't have Will Levis even in their top 15. Like, that was all smoke screens. That was all pure media driven. I didn't know that. I'm like everyone else here where it's like, I think Will Levis is terrible. It doesn't matter what I think. If an NFL team loves him, this kid's a top pick. So, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I tweeted it out. I tweeted out that Houston was talking about taking a QB at two. Um, CJ was plus like 450 plus 400. I'm not saying just because of my tweet, the line started moving, but not even an hour later, CJ was minus 400 to be the first quarterback taken. So this was an hour before the draft started. We saw that smart money came in. They got, a, they got the same news I did. By the time the draft started, I think CJ was up to minus 2000. And then, you know, Bryce Young went one, all of a sudden he was up to minus 40,000 CJ. So that was one of those that they were keeping a tight lip, but it did leak. 
I got a nice penny down on it, Chad, but it was one of those where I really, I couldn't help that. I lost a lot of money in Bryce Young. I'm not going to lie. So unfortunately the books, they limit. Um, again, I, all the messages I get, people were saying like, what do you know? I try not to shit on these mock drafters so hard because it's literally what they do for a living. But Mel Kuyper, a guy who's no, no one's more tuned in, right, than Mel Kuyper. This guy literally lives for mocks. It's all he does. He had one pick right, people. It was Bryce Young. That was the only thing he got right in his entire mock. Todd McShay, another guy all locked in. He got four picks right, including Bryce Young in the first round right. So that's what I try to tell people every year. It's like, I hate it. It's it's brutal because I'm trying to tell people to think outside the box, and they're just like, well, this everyone's mock is saying that number two, they're going Will Anderson. So I would say that was the toughest part of the draft chat. I'm trying to tell people that a quarterback was going at two, and I had to deal with an hour of people saying, who the hell are you? What the hell do you know? There's nothing to gain there. I just put it out there because I told you, Chad, if I ever get info, I'll put it out there. Like if I get good info that I trust, I'll always put it out there just because I think people realize at this point, if I send you out a number – I've already bet it. Like, I already had my runners at the books. I bet that number for 15 minutes before I put out there that I thought a QB was going to too. So, yes, I'm going to make my profit off it, but I'll also give out the best of the number to the people once I get it. So, that was a fun draft, Chad. All the all the movement. I mean, we have plenty of time to talk about all of it. Houston, one of the worst-run organizations in all of football, um, and I think anyone with half a brain could realize that. You're trading up a first-round pick to get a DN. They're idiots, Chad. So, that was one of those drafts that was really fun. And it's fun where if you're a nerd like me and you have a draft board and you have the numbers back and everything, it's like CJ Trout for the Houston smart pick, trading back up and an unprotected first round pick on a team that is projected to be the number two pick next year. Chad, it's whoo, it makes you lose your damn mind. So um I'm I can't with your Anderson's take on it just because I see he's got him for defensive rookie of the year. I love the idea, but he's probably like me, where it's just like Houston. What the hell are we doing? You guys were you guys were making the right moves, and then you kind of screwed up. Arizona, to me, I don't know who Brandon has one in the draft. I think Arizona won this year's draft. It's either them, or I know it's kind of a homer pick to say the Bears with Chad, but I love what the Bears did too. But Arizona, to me, setting up for the future. Who knows what they're going to do with Kyler Murray? But right now, if they could get the one and two pick next year, holy shit, Chad, that is such a haul for what they gave up. So a really, really fun draft this year. And it's what one of the highest ratings we've ever had for a draft. It's just, it's not going to change. It's going to keep getting crazier and crazier as the years go along, chat. So I, I do, I love the draft. Brandon, give us your take. Give us a breakdown here. Yeah, Winners. I think Simon, I think you nailed the Houston thing. I, I was flabbergasted at that trade. And it's not about Will Anderson. It's not about CJ Stroud. I love both of them. I yeah. you, you absolutely want to add these guys. I actually 100%. think Houston will, I think they're both floor raisers. I think Houston's going to be better this year in part because they no longer have their first or third round pick next year. So there's no reason to tank. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to go try to win. You know, yeah. D'Amico Ryans wants to establish some winning culture now. And Stroud, I thought was the highest floor quarterback in the draft. Will Anderson, I think most people, a lot of people thought was the top defender. Good players. No arguments about them being worth a draft pick. But man, you trade your whole, basically your next year's draft and a bunch of stuff this year to move up for a DN like you basically got to be Aaron Donald to be to be that valuable of a defender to give everything that way. So uh, sneaky too that Arizona, you know, they got the new GM. All of their scouting was still last the old crew. You know, like it's. I think Arizona was like, you know what? Let's just punt as much of this as we can into the future. 
and let's get my guys in, get the scouting in, get my team in. Let's have a whole year to get ready for this and what most people think will be a better draft. And of course, we got Caleb Williams, which should be available. Arizona now has two really good lottery tickets and they, they may well end up. I don't think they'll be first and second because, again, Houston isn't going to have any incentive to lose. But Arizona sure is. I, I already take, took a look at that Arizona under for next year at five and a half. Uh, Arizona is a race on its own to the bottom, I think. So they definitely look like the favorite to to take go number one. Um, Chicago, I had a hard time with Chicago only because we'll get to the Eagles. But, man, the Bears had the number one pick, made a trade down fine decision. They got the deal, you know, weeks before, many weeks before the draft. And then the guy that people were thinking, well, maybe Jalen Carter, could he be the number one pick? And who I think maybe is the most talented player in the draft falls into their lap right there. He's just right there at number nine. You got all the stuff out of the trade and Jalen Carter. And then they gave him away. And look, it's hard. It's hard being on this side. I have less information, of course, than any of the evaluators. And there's, you know, off-field stuff with him. There's a lot of reasons why you maybe do or don't want him. But uh, I thought the Eagles, who were the most talented team, the talented roster in the NFL, they got the most talented player in the draft. And they paid a fourth-round pick to move up one spot for him. They got Nolan Smith at the end of the first round that a lot of mock drafts had going at that pick at number 10. So we're basically, we, we've all watched college football the last couple of years and Georgia has this historically great defense that is just dominating everyone. And Philadelphia's like, all right, cool. We'll just draft them, all of them. Let's have all the Georgia guys. They got the corner later. They literally have like four guys off of the defensive front now. And uh, I thought Eagles had a, a huge draft and and definitely our team that's just going to keep building on what they're already doing well. All right, Brandon, you mentioned looking at the Cardinals under. Uh, Simon, you and I were on, uh, did a taping for Green Dot Daily that'll be on at three o'clock today, Action Network HQ on YouTube. Preview for people, Simon, you first. A a futures bet you've made based on, I would call it, acquisition season movement that included free agency in the draft. Yeah, and I try to not bet right after the draft just because I think like most people, emotions are running high. But this one I couldn't pass on just because I thought the number would be moving. And that's the Bengals of the under 11 and a half. I thought the number would move as soon as Lamar resigned. I thought that number would drop to 11, maybe 10 and a half. It just hasn't. The public loves the Bengals. They're a really fun story. Then the draft actually did happen. I thought Pittsburgh had a great draft. I mean, to me, they answered a lot of problems they have across that team. They've, they've addressed those issues to me through the draft. And then you look at the Browns, we expect them to be better. So Lamar coming back, Browns being better, Pittsburgh improving. 11 half is very, very rich for a Bengals team that had a lot of good breaks last year, right? They weren't the best team in their division. The Ravens were clearly going to win that division until Lamar went down. Then they were able to catch up to them. Yes, Joe Burrow is incredible. They have an incredible team. But they have a lot of stuff coming up right now where they're about to pay Joe Burrow. So I agree with people. This is probably their last real year to make a run. But it's such a tough division. We've seen it time and time again. That North is just a brutally tough division. I can't see them getting to 11 wins, Chad. That's just really rich. So the fact that it's 11 and a half, I love that under. I know it's up to minus 120 in most books now. I'd still take I'd take it down to 10 and a half. To me, that's where it should be now. That division settled in now. There is no easy game for them, right? They they were first in their division. It means they're going to play a first-place schedule. 
Now their division is much, much better than it was last year. There's no Watson sitting out. There's no Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback. There's no Lamar being hurt for half the season. It's it's really, really tough to see them getting back to that number in just such a tough division. So to me, that was the first bet I made after the draft. I'm here, you know, I hear multiple people talk about it's too early to be betting these kind of things. I, I, that's a number I'd have to bet now because I do think it's going to drop. I think most pros are going to bet it. So to me, grabbing 11 and a half, I know it's early people, but that's a good, good under total to bet right now at this point of the year. Well, Brandon, you're one of your favorite bets is a compliment and probably impacts what Simon is talking about. So give that one away. Yeah, I like the Ravens over. Our sponsor, Bet365, right now has the Ravens team total at eight and a half. Now you're gonna pay the juice. It's minus 160. But are you kidding me? Eight and a half? <laughs> that like that's a 500 season. Have we watched the Ravens for the last 15 years? John Harbaugh's team has won eight or more games, 14 out of 15 seasons. So by default, the floor is we need one win for the rest of the season. And by the way, a bunch of those years, uh, we only have 16 games. So that's another game he could have won and maybe gets the, the extra one. So nine or more wins, 11 of those seasons, 10 or more, nine of the seasons out of 15. Look, Lamar Jackson is back. Rashad Bateman should be healthy. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. Zay Flowers was on like every mock draft. He's the guy that fit Baltimore's scheme perfectly. They've got, I think, the best one-two tight end punch in the league, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, and Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator. I'm excited to see what can he do. He's had some high-flying offenses, and uh, I got to be honest, I was just kind of getting sick of the old Lamar Jackson offense doing everything. So I'm excited to see what they do. Roquan Smith, we got a full year of him there, and Marcus Williams at safety. I just feel like I still don't know if I trust the Ravens in the playoffs, but in the regular season, the formula is proven. They're going to keep winning games. Eight and a half is a crazy line to me. Nine and a half at some books. I still like that as well. But uh, it's hard for me to see a world where they don't get to double digit wins. Look, Tyler Huntley got five starts last year. They still hit 10 wins. They still got there. Sorry for the Tyler Huntley slander. The, the man is a pro bowler after all. But look, even the fact that they have Huntley is valuable because if and when Lamar does miss a little time, bring in your pro bowler and you're still going to keep on rolling like they have. So I like the Ravens over. I like the Eagles over. I mentioned them as well. Just two very high floor proven teams. You got coaching, you got the trenches, you got defense, special teams, all of those things just make for very stable teams. And I'm willing to, to pay the price now because the floor is just so, so safe with both of them. All right. So what's interesting is Simon, you mentioned the Bengals. You touched on the Steelers. Brandon, you mentioned the Ravens. The Steelers right now, the Steelers over plus eight and a half, plus 100 at bet 365. We love betting the Steelers and their win totals. That Tomlin, I can't, I can't remember. Matt Mitchell, can you tell me? What did the Steelers finish last year? But I'm pretty sure... In well, last year, year, seven and a half, so he hit the over. Yeah, so la right. They had eight wins last year. So Mike Tomlin has never finished below 500 or, in this case, since a 17-game season, below eight wins. So they're at eight and a half with Kenny Pickett at a full season. Huge, huge fan of Kenny Pickett, Kenny Baller. And they had a really good draft. Like, eight and a half at plus 100? I don't know how you're not betting that. Um, another one that I think we should point out. Jacksonville Jaguars, 10 and a half 
at Bet365 plus 120 on the over. Simon, give me a Jags opinion and why would it be plus money to bet the Jags over 10 and a half wins knowing they're in a division with Tennessee and a combination of Ryan Tannehill or Will Levis, the Colts and a combination of Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew and um, the Texans and a rookie quarterback and a team who may be better, but is still really inexperienced with a new coach. I'll, I'll say this all the top. I'm too close to it where any pro is going to take this under and I, I just can't do it with the Jaguars. I love the Jaguars. Me and Chad were all in on the Jags last year. They were by far my biggest hit for divisional bets last year. And Calvin Ridley's joining this team now. Like, they should yeah. be better. Everything about it should be better. So it's one of those where it sucks. Like, I want to take this under, Chad, so damn bad. I just can't do it. Like, I don't see where the regression's coming from. I thought last year they had all those growing pains, right? They they started out really well. I think they are 2-1 to start the year. They came up to Philly. They lost that game to the Eagles during a real bad rainstorm. And they just went on this real bad tailspin of shit. They just sucked. For about a month and a half, I lost a ton of money, and they figured it out. Doug's Doug steered the ship. Yeah, we got some help from Tennessee, literally laying an egg toward the end of the year last year. But that's what you want in a young team. You want them to steer the ship right, figure it out, make the playoffs, win their division. That's a huge stepping stone for especially a young team like this. So I, I want to tell people to take the under. I just can't do it. To me, this is a good good over. Like I got them right there at that number. This is a smart number by the books. I have them at 10 wins. I got to see the schedule. I'm sure I could get them up to 11, but this is exactly where I have them. So I want to say I lean towards the under. It's like a 99% chance I'm going to take the rover. I just, I love this team. I love the coaching staff. I love what they're building there. So Chad, you nailed on the head of that division, but there's just so much to love with this Jacksonville team. Simon, we're instituting a, a new label, a new theory, a new tag. We're going we're gonna to call it the Howie Roseman bet. <laughs> where you see something, don't overthink it. Don't get cute. Make the obvious call. He's got Jalen Carter sitting there. The opportunity to trade up to get him. He's got Nolan Smith sitting there. He's got all these talented guys that teams are walking away from because they haven't put in the infrastructure to be able to support a guy who's coming back from a bad injury, a guy who's got off the field problems, but a locker room that is really, really strong and contains people that this guy has played with before who can vouch for his character. Like That's why I just want to say, that's why I thought it was smart that the Bears passed him. I don't think the Bears had the infrastructure for him. You know what? You know what's interesting? A, uh, be with me. Be my, be my <laughs> Howie Roseman buddy. And Matt Mitchell, can you please confirm via Slack or voice that we will have a Howie Roseman bet of the week? It's so obvious. It makes so much sense. Let's not overthink it. It's too good to be true because it is true because we are not going to be the people that get too smart. We're just going to be the people who make the right call and play chess when it doesn't require anything more than that. Love it. Sounds great. Uh, okay. <laughs> Long text chain with the Chicago folks uh, during the draft. Um, we decided that we were glad the Bears traded out of the position to have to make the choice on Jalen Carter because at the end of the day, we got to protect Justin Fields more than anything. And I don't want these guys to be in a position where it's a hard call, drafting a guy who could be a character issue and need to anchor the def defense both literally and figuratively 
when he's not ready to do that. The Bears don't have the locker room to make, to support this kind of risk, whereas offensively, you just got to protect Justin Fields. It's all that matters in the NFL. Nothing else is going to matter. You can have the best defense in the world. If you're not protecting Justin Fields, you might as well be starting over. So couldn't agree more with you on that. Here's a question that came in from one of our listeners. All things being equal, when is the optimal time to bet an NFL future? At the open? Is it pre-draft? Is it training camp? Immediately post-draft? Simon, you started to touch on this, so let Brandon uh, weigh in first here. When is your favorite time or optimal time to bet an NFL future? I mean, I think it's just whenever the number is right, right? <laughs> like the optimal time is just whenever I get the price that I want it. And I think to put that in perspective, most of the time, if I'm betting an NFL feature right now in May, and it's going to have to wait to cash for over half a year, most of the time I am not looking to bet too many favorites right now. I'm looking to bet a long shot because when I bet a future, the idea is give me the number that I can't get later on. This is the number, this is the value, a plus 2,000, a 4,000, or, you know, it doesn't have to be that. If it's a division bet or something, we probably won't get too long of those numbers. But give me the number that I can't get later on. How do I know? Well, that's where you have to do your work and look ahead. If it's in the season, give me the number that I can bet week four because, hmm, week five, six, and seven, pretty soft schedule. This team's about to go on a little bit of a run here. Give me the price now. I can't get this price a month from now if my ticket is right. So... I think it depends if I'm betting. So, somebody asked me on Twitter, I really like the Eagles and the 49ers in the in the NFC. I think the NFC is weak. I think those are the top two teams. I can bet both of them right now. And I think basically lock in what would be effectively be something like a minus 200 to win the NFC. What do you think? I like the process. I like the idea. I think the Eagles and Niners absolutely are the top two teams in the NFC. However, one year ago right now, who would I have thought was the top two teams in the NFC? Probably like the Packers and the Buccaneers. Not the two teams that came to the end of the season. It's a long year. There's a lot of injuries. There's a lot that changes. So why am I going to lock in on the two favorites at the short number right now? You've got to play the numbers. We can get them. There's a really good chance I can just get that Eagles ticket or that Niners ticket during the year. I can probably get a better price after a couple game losing streak or after a big Cowboys win or something like that. So I think to me, it's the further out you are, the more time you have to be patient. You have to run and get that ticket in. Get the ticket in if you can't get a better number later. Uh, my offensive rookie of the year is a choice for that. But otherwise, I think you're playing the calendar and kind of playing where you expect things to go. Simon? Yeah, I'm one of those where it's like, if I'm going to lock my money up for a year, I want to get crazy long shot odds. So... Last year, we talked about it. My first bet I made, as soon as it ended, my first bet was the Jaguars at 150 to 1. This year, it was the Bears at 100 to 1. It's just, I like to bet teams people perceive to be the worst teams that have a first or second year quarterback with a ton of money. And like, it's literally no secret, people. I do it every year. And we always talk about it. This is how you make these really nice plays where you hedge out. We had the Bengals three years ago. We had the Jaguars last year. I think the Bears will be that team this year of a team that's up and coming, ton of draft capital, ton of money to spend. And then they do that. All right. They spend the money, they make the good draft picks and they put you in a position. That you're just going to hedge out. So do I actually think the bears are going to Super Bowl this year? Hell no. The odds of that are so slim. 
but do I think they can win their division and then get a home game in the first round? And, you know, maybe then they get another home game because the team gets upset. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for positions to hedge out of. So um, I'm right there with Brandon. It's like, if I'm going to be tying my money up all off season, I need big odds. I'm not taking any 10 to ones. We talked about last year, Chad. I literally gave out the Chiefs at 11 to one the week before the season started. You would have got worse odds if you had bet it at any other point during the whole off season. But by the time the season got kicked off, the Denver hype was at its highest level. The Chargers hype was at the highest level. That's when you get some good value on these high picks. So if you like the Eagles after this draft, you missed the boat, right? People have been betting it all night. The Eagles won the draft. People came and they bet that. I think it was at plus 900. Now it's down to 850, 800 in most books for them to win it all. You missed the number. So to me, the high, high ones like that, just don't do it, people. Wait, wait, wait on the high, high odds because – Again, I don't hate it that you're betting the Eagles at eight to one to win the Super Bowl. It's just better to have a hundred to one or eighty to one ticket on the Bears on during the offseason than it is to tie your money up on the Eagles where the Eagles, who knows what could happen in the regular season. If Dallas wins that division, aren't we gonna get better odds and the Eagles come playoff time? So to me, that's why you don't really tie up that money now at this point, people. All right, whip around time. Uh one name each. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Simon, give me your one name for each. Sure, I went Anthony Richardson for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I just I just love the spot he landed in. I love the Colts. I know he's got Minshew ahead of him, which I think that's why we're getting such good odds on him. But the fact that Jonathan Taylor should bounce back if there's such a down year and he has Pittman on the outside, that's the best win-now spot for any rookie quarterback I could think of. So to me, I like that odds. And then for Defensive Rookie of the Year, I know it's kind of boring. But I just love Jalen Carter, man. If this kid can come in with the right mindset, if the Eagles make him a, a go-to player, his upside is out of this world. Like, I don't know if anyone watches tape, but it's one of those where if your team drafts a guy, all you do draft players is just watch never any amount of film on a guy. And I just can't get over how incredibly talented he is. I already knew he was the best player in the draft. I had him as my number one player. But holy shit, man. Jalen Carter with that defense, I just love the position he's in. So to me – He's got great upside. I'm not, I'm not in love with that as much as I am with the Richardson one. The Richardson one makes more sense. But, again, it's it's a tough, tough class. But there's just a lot of guys there at the top of the defensive side that could easily win this award. Brandon? Yeah, Offensive Rookie of the Year, I love Bijan Robinson. I bet him the night of the draft. I, I looked for the odds the moment that the pick got made. We knew it was coming. But here are some things I Googled when Bijan Robinson officially went to the Falcons. Hey, Google, what's the rookie rushing record? Has a rookie ever led the league in rushing yards? Like, these are things, I think, long shots, but I think they're things that could be in play. Arthur Smith is the Derrick Henry guy. Arthur Smith takes dudes off the street and turns them into five yards per carry players. So Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, I'm a Vikings fan, guys. He was a failed receiver from a decade ago, and now he's just apparently like a good NFL running back. But John Robinson is awesome, and I think he's going to get 300-plus touches, and then gets to 1,500-plus yards, probably double-digit touchdowns. He's going to be the feature in that offense. Richardson, probably my second pick there, but I still love Bijan. Uh, it was plus 450 draft night. I still see some plus 350s out there. To me, this is a Paolo Boncaro NBA-type guy where it's just he's going to be, I think, the clear favorite as we go forward. Fantasy football, he's a first-round pick, like he, he and not near the end of the round either. He's just going to be a, a workhorse right away. Defensively, my pick here is boring, but it's because it needs to be. Every defensive rookie of the year this century has been a top 39 pick. Every single one of them, 20 out of 23 first round picks, 19 of them top 15 picks. Since 2010, five 
we're top three picks. That's where I'm going. Only one defender in the top three. Give me Will Anderson. I see a plus 500 out there. I love Jalen Carter. I think he will have a big impact. But voters like stats. Voters like sacks. And Will Anderson is going to get the sacks. Uh, He had favorites win this award. Seven of the last 11 defensive rookie of the year started the year plus 900 or shorter. So I think Anderson fits the profile really well. He's going to get plenty of playing time. D'Amico Ryan's going to scheme him up and get him some good looks. So look, guys, I'm normally the long shot guy, but I'm on the favorites today. I guess I'm taking the favorites. So I got the favorite at each spot. I just think they're the right pick. And rookie of the year, we know that when you go near the top of the draft, it's because you're the best player and you're going to get a lot of chances. And betting the favorites for these awards is the right way to go. And I'll say this. My favorite thing that didn't happen at the draft, there was a ton of drama going on behind the scenes of Atlanta was going to trade for Tannehill. That was a real thing. Tennessee was going to give Tannehill to Atlanta, and they're going to move up to the eighth spot. They couldn't make a con- they couldn't work out the money. Same thing happened with Kyler Murray in Atlanta. So apparently, there was a deal in place for the Cardinals and Atlanta. They're going to send Kyler Murray to it to Atlanta for draft picks, and they're going to take some money on. It didn't work out obviously, but I love that Atlanta's trying to do stuff here. Right? They have all the weapons there. They just don't have the quarterback. Who knows what could happen in the middle of the season, right? With all everything going on, I'll keep that on people's radar. Atlanta's a sleepy team this year, Atlanta. And if they get a Tannehill, they get a Kyler Murray, that's definitely a team in that division that could easily steal that division. So that's a team we're going to be talking about a lot this year, I'm sure, Chad. Well, we do every year because we're nothing if we're not an Atlanta <laughs> that's Falcons true. podcast. Uh, Brandon Anderson, great stuff on the draft, great stuff post-draft, great stuff on the NBA. Uh, you can hear him freaking everywhere, all over the action Network, as a reminder, the Favorites Podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. This has been the Favorites Podcast, part of the Action Network. I am Chad Millman. My co-host and BFF is Simon Hunter, our producer extraordinaire. On the audio side is Matt Mitchell, Barbara Alberts. On the video side, keeping us alive on YouTube. Thank you to everybody. Download us from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Leave us five stars. Say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, come Thursday, we're talking Kentucky Derby. Love you. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.